When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
thing is, until you can erase three Februaries, shut up. Quality over quantity. LeBron has beaten some of the best competition in NBA history. He's the GOAT emoji. I will not cuss. I will not cuss. I will not swear. I will not swear. Where sports is the base, life and fun are the results. This is The Brian Snow Show. Pleasant good afternoon to each and every one of y'all in the region, across the nation, around the world. We welcome you to the Brian Snow Show. Whether you are listening on WLEO 26.7 in Baltimore, Maryland, or via SM Sports Radio around the world, or whether you're watching via YouTube or CSTV out of Reno, Nevada, welcome. You know, this is the most intriguing week for me. Because it's all about the NFL draft. And what do why do I say it's intriguing? Well, because who's going to do what? That's my question. Who is going where? And there have been so many, so, so many um, predictions made. And there are going to be a lot more predictions made. But let me talk to the man who's the senior insider for SM Sports for the NFL Mr. Mike DeBay. Good afternoon, Mike. How are you, my man? Okay, wait a minute. We're having we're having trouble with his connection. So here's what I'm gonna do. I am going to you're gonna see me improvise here. Y'all are gonna see me, y'all are gonna see me improvise here. Ah, oh, doggone it. Um okay. Let me try again. Uh Mike, can you hear me? I can hear you. Can you hear me? Okay, we got you. We got you. Okay, let's get started. We we tried talking about this, and then we ran into some technical difficulties. So let's just get right get right to it. What do the Carolina Panthers do with the number one overall pick? Which way are they leaning? You know, last week I was sitting there saying that Bryce Young was probably the most, uh, you know, logical pick for them to go with at uh, the number one position. Some people tell you C.J. Stroud is the uh, is the smarter pick, maybe the higher upside. Maybe he's got a little bit more of a ceiling uh, at this level. But I, I still think they have to trust their instincts at this point. I, I My gut reaction tells me that they go with Bryce Young at this point. I think he may fit Frank Reich's system a little bit better in terms of mental preparation, in terms of being the, the cerebral type quarterback that mm-hmm. you know Frank loves to employ. But at this point, I think it's still up in the air, and I think it probably will be for the next couple of days we may not know until wednesday maybe even thursday for sure what carolina has up its sleeve with the number one pick yeah we won't know until until thursday which way they're leaning and there have been a lot of questions there are a lot of questions and a lot of speculation about which way they're leaning what does bryce young bring to the carolina offense right now 
Well, right now, I mean, there's no question about it. This kid is definitely battle-tested and ready to take the reins. Tremendous accuracy. I love the way he places the ball exactly where the receiver can get it. That's a trade among a lot of Alabama quarterbacks, and that's something that is really, I think, you know, cultivated in that system, whether it be Nick Saban or whether it be Bill O'Brien, who was his uh, offensive coordinator a couple of years ago. This mm -hmm. is absolutely something that is important, that is vital to his uh, game plan. And it's something that I think is going to be important to Frank Reich and the type of offense that they're going to install in Carolina. It's a term that I always think is, for lack of a better term, I think it's thrown around a little too much, a little too haphazardly, but it's really looking through this guy in terms of standing and be able to adjust the defense by this guy's that. So mental preparation in the cerebral game, uh, Bryce Young checks all of them. Yeah, he does check check all the boxes. But here's my worry. He's coming into a situation where the offensive line is nowhere near repaired, a new coaching regime, and you have to ask the question, will Frank Reich be allowed to – fully have the range you and i have discussed this before about owners saying that they're going to let their coaches do their job but they really don't because they keep getting in their ear um bryce young in carolina he's a good he he's a good fit he can bring that cerebral game cerebral game like you said but he's coming into it he if should he be the number one overall draft pick and a lot of pundits are leaning that way he's coming to a team that's an overall mess especially on offense yeah, and that's going to be the big key for Carolina. Do they want to run the spread offense most of the time or all of the time in Carolina or Frank White? They are. Bryce Young is their guy. That's where he's going to thrive. He does do well in that type of an environment. But at the same time, there are size concerns. Uh, we've heard these before. Uh, there are also concerns over him being potentially too scheme-specific. If you get out of the spread, if you really mix things up a little bit, can he adapt? to some of the type of pro-level defensive looks he's going to see. Those are right. all valid points, and I definitely join you in your curiosity on that. That's a question that only the Carolina Panthers front office can answer. If they're committed to the spread, Bryce Young is probably a smart pick. If they're not, or if there are going to be a lot of different cooks in the kitchen, yeah, then you're going to have some issues, and then this may not be the slam dunk pick that a lot of people are predicting it will. And a lot of people are saying either he or Stroud are going to be the, the slam dunk pick. It depends on the team's needs. We know Carolina needs a quarterback. Sam Darnold didn't work out. He's out and he's off to San Francisco and they're leaning the way they're leaning the way of Bryce young because, and there's one thing that my producer, Michael Doherty and welcome to Michael said that we, we have to talk about what if they don't test, what if these quarterbacks or what if these players, that are in the draft don't test well. What if their response their responses don't hit home the way they're supposed to hit home and make them think that they are that they are the number one pick and yet they draft they they draft them anyway? How will that play a part in this process? Oh, it'll play a big part in that process. And again, you look at we've talked about Bryce Young and we've talked about his strengths and weaknesses. There is, you know, the similar coin with CJ Stroud. I mean, that's not necessarily a slam dunk pick either in terms of whether he goes to the Houston Texans at number two or whether he goes number one to the Carolina Panthers, or maybe potentially he slips a little bit. Um, a lot of the same jacket on him as well. A lot of big 
you know, very good with accuracy, uh, very good in the passing game. He's got great pro level instincts, uh, and he's pro he's productive. I mean, let's face it, he's had a great supporting cast around him, but a good portion of that is his skill bringing that to the table in Ohio State as well. But again, you look at some of the negatives on him where he's got consistency problems under pressure. He might be a little bit late in some of the decision-making that he makes. These are all things that are going to come around. So your producer is absolutely right. If they don't test well, if they don't leap off the page in terms of what a team specifically needs, yeah, I'm not looking at necessarily the hand-in-glove fit for any of the quarterbacks in this class with the teams that are going to be taking them. Sometimes it just fits the way everything happened, but you're not always going to get an Andrew Luck to Indianapolis uh, type of fit mm -hmm. that we saw years ago where that would just made so much sense that if the, if the Indianapolis Colts didn't do it, it probably would have been the shock of the century. Don't yeah. here with any of the prospects and the teams that they go to. Some adjustment. The question is, how much adjustment do you want to have to endure uh, through this season? Um, how much are you willing to take before things start to roll your way? You're going to take. Let's let's talk Indianapolis Colts and the fellow that's popping on their screen. Screen you just mentioned him, uh, Will Levis. I am not mm -hmm. sure about Will Levis at all. In Indianapolis, especially with the, I talked about it with Carolina, especially with a new regime and a new system coming in. If there are any benefits for Will Levis going to Indianapolis, what were the, what are those benefits, and how does he fit the Indianapolis Colts? Well, in terms of uh, in terms of what the benefits would be to drafting Will Levis, I mean, Will Levis just looks he looks like a prototypical quarterback. He's got a great arm, prototypical size for the position, six three, six four, about two thirty. Uh, this kid definitely looks the part. But we've seen guys that have looked the part before able to carry the load in the pros. So that is only skin deep. That'll only take you so far. That's not the only thing that he is, you know, equipped for. In the NFL, he's got a very high ceiling, very high upside in terms of his ability to learn, pick up defenses quickly. That's something that I think he can bring to Indianapolis and adapt very quickly. And he's got a big time arm. He can make the throws. He can pretty much make the throw from anywhere on the field. The knock on Will Levis is that his processing time is not all that you know, fast. And if there is going to be issues with that offensive line, we talked about this last week, Brian, where uh, all of a sudden Indy's offensive line that was a major strength for this team severely regressed in 2022 yes. what kind of line is going to be protecting him if you have a quarterback that's slow processing that is not a that's a recipe for disaster and that could really be a big time problem uh there's issues with turnovers and again the decision making to me is the main factor here so if you're looking for a quarterback with high upside that you're willing to cultivate maybe take a step back before you take a step forward yeah, Will Levis might be a guy you may want to try because there is a lot of potential there. But if you're looking for someone that's going to lead an NFL offense right off the bat and not hold the clipboard or or get the timeout on the field to prove what he can do, accepting maybe more loss than victory, uh, this might not be a good pick for the Indianapolis Colts because I don't think Levis is as pro-level ready as some of these other guys that we've talked about today. And that and that's the key. Not pro level ready. Uh top picks on our discussion today here on the Brian Snow Show. Mike Debate joins me. 
And we we talked Will Levis, we talked C.J. Stroud, uh, Bryce Young definitely <clears throat> is probably going to wind up being the slam dunk pick at number one, but there are still questions to be answered about him. Um, here's one quarterback, and we talked about it this morning with Jay Spivey, that is getting a lot of hype, but hasn't had a lot of, in my opinion, hasn't had a lot of production. That's Anthony Richardson. And a lot of teams have elevated him to possibly being one of the top four. And I just don't see it. I have not seen any game that Anthony, Anthony Richardson has had at Florida to be impressive. I haven't seen it. Yeah, I think a lot of people are falling in love with potential as opposed to what he's going to bring to the table from day one. Potential is a good thing when it comes to a quarterback or draft stock. Uh, we always mm-hmm. talk, talk about the potential upside. We talk about athleticism, his ability to be a dual threat. Anthony Richardson has that, maybe more so than any quarterback in this class. Uh Phenomenal arm strength. I mean, rare arm strength for the type of dual threat quarterback that he is. So these mm-hmm. are all things that leap off the pitch. They make a very good soundbite. They good uh, social media 30-second clip to watch, and you start to see these things, and all of a mm-hmm. sudden it's like, wow, why isn't Anthony Richardson considered more among the top quarterbacks? Why isn't Carolina looking at this kid? Why isn't Houston looking at this kid for number one or number two? The problem is, is when you look at the throwing mechanics, the feet are not matching shoulders that's a big problem in the nfl that needs to be corrected and it needs to be corrected quickly there are accuracy issues as well that was his achilles heel at florida which is why a lot of i think teams are reticent to put him up there in the top five echelon there's no question about it in terms of talent yeah there's top five potential talent in anthony richardson if he can somehow fix these mechanics and work with the quarterbacks to get himself where he needs to be and hone in his talent. Yeah, he's got a shot to be a very good NFL quarterback. There's put it, but that's going to be the big knock on him is can he overcome some of the problems that he's had? Uh, I think teams are looking at him as potentially being maybe too much of an investment in terms of what they're going to get on return. And you know, NFL teams now they're all about return on investment when it comes to yep. uh, high level draft cap. I think that's why you're not seeing Anthony Richardson as high up as some of these other uh, quarterbacks on the list today. If there's a team that will take a flyer on on an Anthony Richardson, or we'll go back to Will Levis, but we'll stick with Anthony Richardson for right now. If there's a team that will take a flyer on Anthony Richardson, who is that team and why? Uh, That's a good question. Uh, In terms of um, (laughs) a lot of people, but I... I'm looking at Anthony Richardson. The reason why I say that is because the dual threat abilities that he has can complement a running back like Jonathan Taylor. And we talked about this last week. When you have a solid running game that's able to spell a young quarterback that may have potential but has issues that need to be worked through, that running game can mask an awful lot. I've seen it the Mm -hmm. last couple of years here in New England, especially last year. New England probably had no business being in contention for a playoff spot, but they were for one main reason, and that's because they had Ramondre Stevenson running the football and keeping them in games offensively. That passing game Mm -hmm. was a mess, and it's not all on Mac Jones. A lot of it was quarterback, you know, uh, relationship with uh, with coach and poor coordination, but bottom line, there were issues, and there were issues that needed to be worked through. If you have a solid running game that allows you to stay in games, even when your offensive line is struggling, 
that's a big time thing. So that to me is something that's going to be interesting. It would be a departure, and I'm not saying it's a hand and glove fit, but I think Indianapolis needs to take a look at something like that if they're thinking about potential, because I think there's a higher ceiling and a higher potential for return this year from an Anthony Richardson than there is a Will Levis. I might be in the minority in that, but I still think that there uh, is a little bit more in his tank uh, than the other side. We're talking NFL draft with our senior insider, Mike DeBate. We're going to pause for a few seconds, and when we come back, we'll dive inside of the needs of the NFC West. It's draft week. Mike DeBate will join me all week as we talk NFL draft on the Brian Snow Show. Be back in a minute. thing is until you can erase three Februaries shut up where sports is the base life and fun are the results this is the Brian Snow show now I'm known as the guy who can fix just about anything but The technology in most appliances requires very special training to fix. And that's why my family has Choice Home Warranty. Choice Home Warranty covers over 25 major home systems and appliances. That's your AC, heating, plumbing, kitchen and laundry appliances, and so much more. Call Choice Home Warranty now before something breaks down. Get protection for your heating, AC, plumbing, kitchen and laundry appliances, and more. Call 800-973-6121. So this thing called sports, it has fans again, it has full stadiums, full arenas, and more. And you want to be a part of it, don't you? Of course you do. If you begin to scour the resale market, there will be tickets available. And what you need to get those tickets that you want so badly is SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the app available to you that lends a hand in helping you get the tickets that you want for the events that you want. SeatGeek rates the tickets on a 1 to 10 scale, and the best part is the tickets are vetted for authenticity so you know what you are getting and you know you are not getting scammed. And now you can save even more by using the code SNOWMAN and getting 20 bucks off with your very first purchase. Yes, you can do all of that with the power of SeatGeek, helping you get to the games that you want so you fans can fan. So let's all fan. Sports is the base. Life and fun are the results. This is the Brian Snow Show. Welcome back to this edition of the Brian Snow Show. It's Monday, it's draft week, and we're talking all things NFL draft with our senior insider, Mike DeBate, our senior insider for Snowman Multimedia Sports. Now in his seventh season with us, it's been a fabulous partnership. It's been a fabulous friendship as well. Let's dive into the NFC West. And the team that I want to start with is the Los Angeles Rams. Why am I starting there? They were the defending champions, and then they absolutely imploded throughout the season. Where do they start to rebuild? 
Well, there's a lot of different places where the Rams could start to rebuild. I mean, my my need sheet on them is very heavily on defense. I think they definitely need a linebacker. They're looking at cornerback. And then you also want to think about the offensive side of the ball as well and why a wide receiver that can either take some pressure off of Cooper Cup or possibly become one of their top options. We've heard that Cooper is on the trading block. I mean, I know they just moved Allen Robinson, but... There's always an opportunity and always a chance that they may be in full sale mode. And if they are, uh, that's definitely something to keep an eye on. So when you look at what this team needs, I think that's where they're going. Uh, if my gut reaction were to tell me where they're going to go first because they don't have a first-round pick, uh, somebody that I think they could be looking at would be uh, um, Emmanuel Forbes, cornerback um, out of Mississippi. I think that there is a clear uh, ball-hawking ability if they want to replace what Jalen Ramsey brought to the table, this kid may be it. He may be one of the best ball seekers in the NFL draft right now in terms of cornerback depth. This is a deep, top-heavy class when it comes to cornerbacks, and uh, they do have the ability to uh, to grab somebody here. So that's who I'm looking at for them. But again, there are definite uh, uh, you know advantages to uh, looking at linebacker and looking at wide receiver as well. And there are a few guys that I think could be a good fit in there. I love Dorian Williams, a linebacker coming out of Tulane. He's someone that they could, uh, you know, be able to uh, uh, to draft in a, you know without using early uh, valuable round draft capital. But someone that I think can really come in and start Week One. Los Angeles needs bodies to come in and be able to anchor, uh, you know, what they've lost in free agency and uh, really lost through. <laughs> overspending in the first in the couple of years that led up to their Super Bowl championship. But it's time to rebuild now and they have to make these picks work for them, especially because they're at such a premium. So to the Rams offense, what do they do at the running back position? Because you and I feel the same way. You got to have a powerful running game to match your quarterback. Now, we don't know what they're going to do at the quarterback position. We'll touch on that in a moment. But what do they do in the running game? Yeah, well, that's the, there's the other big uh, question mark. And again, because of the fact that they don't have early round draft capital, and I think there are so many you know needs on this team, I think that takes them out of contention for guys like Bijan Robinson or Jameer Gibbs, who I think they would absolutely run to the podium to take if they yes. had the opportunity to get them. But I just don't see it as a possibility. So then you go to the next level. Maybe Zach Charbonnet you know, drops to them a little bit, and he becomes a guy that they may want to take. I think maybe one of the more under rated uh, running backs in this draft is mm-hmm. Zach because of his dual threat capabilities. Uh, Kenny McIntosh coming out of uh, uh, Georgia, the national champions. He's yeah. a guy that can be a high level pass catcher. Uh, definite uh, has uh, uh, the ability to play into a lead role eventually. So these are some of the names that I might be looking at if I'm the, uh, uh, the Los Angeles Rams, but I agree with you. If they're serious about revamping what they need to do on offense, then a running back has to be at, their consideration at some point if not early then maybe in the later rounds um and uh, you know they could find some guys in the later rounds as well that could uh, help this out this is a perceptively uh, a perceivingly deep um running back uh, class that has a lot of potential maybe not a lot of nfl ready pro level talent right off the bat but guys that can really emerge in year two or year three and they need a running back now because mm-hmm. Cam Akers is not their solution. He hasn't proven to be he hasn't proven to be their solution, so they need to find somebody immediately that will be the bell cow for this offense. 
Yeah, without question. And look, I mean, there's still the specter hanging over it that he's not happy in Los Angeles. I mean, they had a tumultuous contract situation last year. You Mm -hmm. have to think that that may have cooled really out of necessity rather than anything else. We know they were actively shopping him at the trade deadline. So does that continue? Are they going to be able to work something out? A lot of question marks when it comes to... um, uh, Cam Akers and the future in Los Angeles. So, yeah, they need a running back now. If it's not going to be in the draft and they're not going to use early round draft capital, I expect them to be active maybe in the trade market during the draft or potentially in that next wave of free agency that always happens once the draft is concluded. Going to be very interesting to see what the Rams do in the running game. Be easy in the house with us, tuning us in, as well as Michael Doherty, our producer. Uh, down down in texas helping uh helping us out uh rapid day part of the uh strikeout beer podcast if y'all haven't checked out the strikeout beer podcast please check please check them out they are a ton of fun they they talk a lot of sports and they they have a lot of fun doing doing what they do so please check them out on youtube when you get a chance speaking of a team in a mess and i know my friend michelle is going to get on me about this but a uniform reveal does nothing to fix the Arizona Cardinals. They got problems all over the place and we'll start with we'll start with their offense. You gave Kyler Murray a lot of money. You don't have a lot of money left to fix the real problem and it echoes again. They don't have a running game. Yeah, they don't have a running game. And here is where early round draft capital can definitely be uh put to good use. The problem, like you said, is Arizona Cardinals are just a mess right now. Believe it or not, my top three needs for them are all defensive. I look at defensive end. I look at cornerback. Mm-hmm. I look at defensive tackle. This team needs all of those, and they need them desperately. But yep. equally, they need a running back. So I definitely understand where you're coming from, Brian. If they mm-hmm. are going to go the running back uh, route, and they are going to try to bring in a running game, someone that can take some pressure off of Kyler Murray. Obviously, Bijan Robinson is the the gem of this draft and someone that I know everybody would love to have. And I don't think they're wrong in their assessment. I think he's, you know, really the top of the heap when it comes to that. But don't sleep on Jameer Gibbs. Uh, You know, running backs coming out of Alabama are built differently. Even when they're not extremely highly touted, they're still battle-tested and NFL-ready in a way that you don't see from a lot of other programs. This kid has a value as a receiver. He's explosive when he's got the ball in his hands, and he does have a great amount of athleticism. So if for some reason the Cardinals decide that they may want to trade down or trade out of that pick that they have, move down a little bit, I could very easily see them picking up Gibbs, and I don't think that would be a bad consolation prize. I think they have an opportunity to make something work with him. So if I'm Arizona, I'm looking at him right now, but then I'm taking a real sharp turn and focusing my attention on the defense. The defense has had a lot of holes in the past couple of years, even in their playoff year when they lost to the Rams. Defensive end is one of the key positions they need to lock up. Who is that defensive end that stands out for you that the Cardinals can take and they can immediately improve their defense? Uh, well, I mean, there are different opportunities for them to be able to uh, uh, to, to look at guys. Um, if they don't move out of the fourth overall, and I mean, if they if they, uh, if they swap back with the uh, with the uh, with the Colts, or you know, if they do move into that area where they're still picking within the top five, I mean, 
Will Anderson is someone that I think could really revolutionize this defense. If they find a way to be able to get their hands on him and everybody's focused more on quarterbacks and uh, they can really take their eyes off of uh, someone like that, I think Anderson could be a game changer in this uh, uh, in this system. He does have the ability. He's got the uh, the dual threat um, options that he's you know so well suited for and, and he did at Alabama so well uh, I would love to see them uh, be able to get him because he's the type of defensive presence that they need the type of name presence that they're going to need as well uh, in order to start maybe building something there on the on the defensive side of the ball so I like him uh, in terms of uh, of defensive ends and coming in in terms of a tackle uh, I think that uh, they have a need there as well the guy that I keep coming back to for the Arizona Cardinals at the tackle position is Mauro Ajomo out of Texas really, I think, showed so much promise and so much improvement over the five years that he had playing for the uh, the Longhorns. Really earned, uh, you know, his biggest praise this year was top 10 grade among interior defensive linemen by pro football focus. This is a guy that can come in and really shore the middle part of your defense as well. You put those two guys in the lineup, all of a sudden you're looking at a much better and much more um, productive defense than you had just one year ago. Does Jalen Carter fit what Arizona needs on defense? We're talking about the big tackle out of Georgia, out of Georgia, the two-time national champions. Does Jalen Carter have a chance to fall to them? And to change that quote, do they take a fly, do they take a flyer on Jalen Carter? Um, I think if there's a team out there that could, I think Arizona may take a flyer out there. Really, it depends on the organization. It depends on a lot internally. I know there are external issues that are going on with Jalen Carter. And, you know, mm-hmm. that's a conversation for another day. But it is a factor. It, it, you can't turn a blind eye to it. It's going to be a factor in his draft. How far does he fall because of that? People have suggested that he may fall to the number 20 pick with the Seattle Seahawks. Do they take a flyer on him? Does that organization want to bring in someone like Jalen Carter, considering the off-field issues that he's had. I know we'll probably talk about Seattle in just a moment, but mm-hmm. I can see Arizona doing that. They've got pick three, 34, 66. I don't think they do it with the third position. Uh, absolutely not. I think there's just too much risk involved in what he might be facing. I think 34 is too late. So what you're looking at for Arizona at this point is a trade, a compromise somewhere in the middle. I think Carter right now slips to a latter first half uh, of the uh, first round type of uh, pick. If they can pick him up in an area like that, yeah, I think there's a possibility they do it. But I think they're going to be focused more on defensive end rather than defensive tackle. And I think they're going to do uh, you know that earlier uh, than later. So I think they would be willing to take a flyer on him. I just don't see it happening uh, because of the logistics involved. Mike DeBay joining us here as he does every season as we talk NFL draft. This is where our season starts, and this is his seventh year with us, and I am so excited to have him. Let's keep going as we stay inside the NFC West, and let's look at the Seattle Seahawks. Man, they're in a they're in a very enviable position. And there's another team that's in an enviable position. We'll talk about them a little later. They're in a very enviable position right now. They made the playoffs, and yet they have a top, and yet they have top round picks. How do they navigate this and rebuild their team to get back to where they need to be? Well, I think right now, in terms of needs, top needs for them, I know I still don't understand why there is the obsession with uh, saddling these guys with a quarterback. I mm-hmm. think the talent that's out there in the quarterback position this year, unless it's a perfect fit. 
Um, maybe Richardson might be the guy for them. Who knows? I don't know. But I think what they found in Geno Smith last year allows him to be the quarterback that they need for uh, for the foreseeable future. I'm going defense, and I'm going defensive end. And I, I love the fit uh, of Tyree Wilson out of Texas Tech in this uh, system. I think he's rated as the number two edge player in this class, and I think they really have an opportunity to build something special there in that defense with Tyree Wilson uh, um, as an anchor. And uh, if they were to select him with with the number five position, I don't necessarily think they're making a mistake. I think that he's that good. I think he's that much of a difference maker in Seattle's type of scheme. And I just love the hand and glove fit there. So to me, that's where I'm focusing my efforts. Uh, but they also have need at guard. They have a need at wide receiver. Uh, they may, you know, be a little bit better at the top level than a lot of people think, but they could use a wide receiver three, someone that could come in and be a uh, another weapon on that offense. But ultimately, I think defense is still their biggest um, issue, and I think Tyree Wilson solves a lot of it. Later on this week here on the Brian Snow Show, Mike will go through his mock first-round draft. We're going to go through it with him. They have also uh, a pick at number 20 in the first round. Who fills that position? Well, there is the interesting position because a lot of people are saying that Carter may fall to the latter part of the first round. And if he does, Seattle could have an eye on him at number 20. Now, look, there's another, I think, better pick that I think I would go to at number 20 if they decide that they're going to go, uh, you know, in the middle of the first round and they're going to stay on defense. I love Miles Murphy out of Clemson. I think he'd be, be a great addition to Seattle's front in the middle of that part. Um, I think that there is an opportunity for him to come in and be that difference maker for them, just like there would be, uh, you know, the ability for Tyree Wilson as a pass rusher to be able to do that. So um, I, I think that in in a lot of, uh, you know, areas, I think that those guys are what Seattle is looking for big time. But uh, keep an eye on Carter because there's way too much talent there for teams to simply just forsake it because of off, because of, you know, off field issues. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, I think it's it's just gonna it's gonna tell a lot about an organization as to what they're willing to accept, how how much they're willing to go through uh, with this kid. But there's a tremendous upside if they feel uh, that uh, it's something they can manage. Um, you're gonna see him taken off the board. He's, I don't think he's gonna slip as far as people uh, believe. But 20 is kind of a sweet spot uh, where I would expect him to start getting serious consideration. Well. There's one team left in the West Division, and they are the kings of the West Division, and they're going to be the kings for a while. That's the San Francisco 49ers. Now, they don't have a pick until round number three, but they were awarded a record seven compensatory picks. And, Mike, if you know anything about my beloved 49ers, they love finding gems in the latter part of of the draft they start with round three they have three out of the next out of the first four picks 99 101 and 102 their needs are identified they got to get some depth on the offensive line they got to get some depth on the defensive line i have a weird i have a weird pick for the 49ers we'll get to that in a moment but let's start in round three with san francisco they are they as much as people like to say the 49ers are not loaded with picks oh yes they are yeah, they are. Uh, they do. And I think they're well situated for the type of needs that they uh, that they have and the type of 
you know, penchant that they have for taking guys like this in the draft. You mentioned not having a pick until the, uh, uh, you know, the third round and coming in and being able to fill uh, depth positions. I always, whenever I think of depth, I always think of offensive line first because I think that's how you build a solid team, and I think that's how San Francisco has done it out there for the last few years. Oklahoma's Wayne Morris is someone I keep an eye on. Has experience at mm-hmm. both tackle positions. Recently started on the right side. That's where I think the 49ers could use him. They'd ask him to play on the right. And even, dare I say, maybe give him a spot start here and there. I don't necessarily think he's simply a swing depth piece that's never going to see starting time. He has the ability. And you and I both know that injuries along the offensive line can sink even the best of teams if they don't have solid depth below that to be able to step up and take the mantra when they need a, a fellow to start. So that's someone I'm keeping an eye on if I'm uh, the uh, the 49ers early on. I think there's also a need, a depth at corner that they may need because of that. Mm-hmm. I like the local guy. I like Stanford's uh, Kyle Blue Kelly. I've been watching him a lot. A lot of experience as a starter, size, aggressiveness. This is something that I think he could bring to their defensive backfield. So these are the guys I'm watching for San Francisco right now that may be flying a little bit under the radar, but these would be solid opening picks for the 49ers that uh, would provide depth there for a number of years and maybe even, who knows, maybe even a spot starter too, uh, even as a rookie. Three in round, three picks in round three, three in round five. They got one in round six, and then look at this, four of them in the seventh round. And if any, if, and Michael Doherty shoots it, uh, shoots it to question, what about running back for San Francisco? Mm-hmm. You know what? He's got a point. Even mm-hmm. though Elijah, even though Elijah Mitchell is there, we got Christian McCaffrey. You got to have some depth at a key position at running back because the injury history is there with McCaffrey, but McCaffrey's in a much better position than he was in Carolina. You know, they depend, the Carolina depended on McCaffrey for any and everything. Now you're getting to see the versatility of McCaffrey in a versatile offense for San Francisco. But if there's a running back out there for the 49ers that they can take in the later rounds, who is that running back and why? Well, I think it may take a little bit of slippage, but the guy I really like for them is Tank Bisbee out of uh, uh, Auburn. Um, I've had the opportunity to go back and forth with my good friend, Zach Blackerby, who's the host of Locked On Auburn Tigers for the Locked On Podcast Network. He's a big fan of this kid and has really turned me on a lot to what he could do at the NFL level. Scheme versatile. That's really, I think, something that the 49ers love in their running backs. Guys that can be effective in zone, but they can also be a talented running back uh, prospect in so many areas on the field. He's a one-cut runner, but he's got the planning skills to be able to work in zone. He can also uh, you know, use his vision, his footwork, his processing skills to be a gap runner as well. So any type of chameleon hybrid type runner is going to fit well into their system you know he can find the end zone he's a good touchdown producer and he's got an nfl size and a build at six feet about 200 pounds so this is something where uh if the niners are looking for a goal line guy that can come in and be a little bit of a change of pace get you the type of yardage that you need to find the end zone 
he might be an answer. Uh, I, I like the suggestion, and I think that could be, but they're going to have to use one of those third rounders that they've picked up, 99, 100, 101. Uh, I think Bigsby comes off the board before that, but mm-hmm. you know, it's a couple of days before the, uh, the draft. The guy can dream, right? We can, we can look yes. forward to it and hope, <laughs> hope he can slip a little bit and maybe yes. uh, find his way, but I, I do like him for San Francisco. I think he'd be a good fit in that system. He would be a wonderful fit in that system, and you know the history of versatile backs that the 49ers have had. And I don't have to tell you the name. I'm going to start with that's Roger Craig, six feet tall, mm-hmm. 214 pounds. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. First ever back to have a thousand thousand season, at which makes what uh, Christian McCaffrey joining the 49ers so significant because he had a thousand thousand season. But Tank Bigsby, six foot t- Bigsby, six foot tall, 213 pounds, perfect prototypical running back. Let me let me change my sentence. Perfect 49ers prototypical <laughs> running back that size and that position and plus Bixby can catch the ball out of the backfield he certainly excuse me he certainly can um and that's something that again endears NFL ready prospects to NFL teams you want a guy that can come in and be a runner that's effective on first and second down but when third down hits and you need these you know players that can come in and be ready to do it so many running backs you're seeing coming out of college now recognize the value of being a backfield receiver especially in third down situations where you need to move the chains Bixby has that and I think that's something that the 49ers would pick up on um again you know I think it's probably a little over aggressive of me to think that he's going to be there uh, with that, but you never know. Maybe for maybe San Francisco decides they want to move up a little bit. They've got enough mm-hmm. draft capital, and some teams may be willing to uh, to trade back and maybe take one of those third rounders off their hands. So keep an eye on that as well. The Niners are very savvy in working what they have uh, to uh, to maximize their return on investment. Uh, that could be a, an option uh, as well this week. Mike DeBay joins me as we talk all things NFL draft. We'll stay in San Francisco and address a very key situation when you all get back. The thing is, until you can erase three Februaries, shut up. Where sports is the base, life and fun are the results. This is the Brian Snow Show. The original Think Drink is back. Level up with proven ingredients formulated to crush your competition. No gimmicks, no jitters, no messing around. Just high potency results that keep you moving day or night. There's a new nerd in town, and we came to play. Nerd Focus. Smarter than energy. Here's an important message from the Diabetes Solution Center. Do you like pricking your fingers to test your blood sugar levels? No one does, but it's important to maintain your health. And now, by wearing a small remote device called a continuous glucose monitor, or CGM, you don't need to prick your fingers anymore. It's easy to use and helps you make more accurate diabetes treatment decisions. If you are testing your blood sugar three or more times daily, injecting insulin, or using an insulin pump, call the Diabetes Solution Center right now. And if you have Medicare or most major insurance coverage, you may be able to get a new CGM at little to no out-of-pocket cost. 
Shipping is free and we'll even bill your insurance company for you. If you are testing your blood sugar three or more times daily, injecting insulin or using an insulin pump, call the Diabetes Solution Center right now to learn how to end the painful finger sticks and get your own continuous glucose monitor or CGM at little to no out-of-pocket cost. Where sports is the base, life and fun are the results. This is The Brian Snow Show. Having a lot of fun, talking a lot of draft as the NFL draft commences this Thursday night with round one. And I got Mike DeBate, our senior NFL insider, on the line with me today. He's going to be with us all week long to help predict and analyze the draft. There's a key, there's a big problem in San Francisco, and it's at the quarterback position. Now, they did sign Sam Darnold, who will find success with the 49ers because of the scheme, because of the weapons that he find that that he finally has. But Brock Purdy is their future, period. He proved it when he was running the offense and the 49ers were averaging 30 plus points a game. Now I'm gonna throw a name out there that could slip to the 49ers in the third round should they take a flyer on him, and I believe they should. His name is Max Duggan out of TCU. Yeah, I like Max Duggan as a fit for the uh, for the San Francisco 49ers. Someone earlier today, as a matter of fact, Brian, asked me about the potential fit uh, for him in New England. A lot of people are talking about would the Patriots use mid-level draft capital to bring in a quarterback. And I think Duggan at this point is a poor fit in New England, but I think he's an excellent fit with the 49ers. He's got the ability to make plays. He's an athletic young quarterback. And you know he's not going to have any uh, apprehension about throwing the ball vertically. Uh, mm-hmm. We saw him connect with Quinton Johnston on a number of occasions at Texas Christian, and these guys had a very solid relationship. But what I like about um, what I like about Duggan in a 49ers uniform, not just does he have that willingness to push the ball down the field vertically. He also knows how to work the short game as well. He can throw the quick screens. He can get the ball to his receiver. He's got the ability to get the ball out of his hands without completely setting his feet. That's very unusual for a quarterback his age. That's usually something that comes with a lot of pro-level experience, something that comes with maybe having to run for your life with inadequate offensive lines. In mm-hmm. Duggan's case, I think it was more of the way he modeled his game. And if that's the case that that that, uh, that it is, he's going to be someone that can be very effective in RPO situations. So... I like this from uh, uh, from a uh, just from a pure logistical standpoint. You have to wonder if you bring in someone like Duggan and you sign someone like Sam Donald, and you know Brock Purdy is your franchise quarterback, and I do believe he will be uh, once healthy and once ready to return to the lineup. Mm-hmm. What this all means for Trey Lance is going to be, I think, something to uh, consider. But if the 49ers are serious about moving forward uh, with Purdy as your number one option having a solid backup like Duggan behind him for two, three, four years under a rookie contract is a very appealing thought upon Kyle Shanahan. And the best part about Duggan and another quarterback we'll get to in just a moment that may fit this 40, that may fit this 49er system. The best part about Duggan, he's got all the tools that Purdy has so he can get into that offense, learn it quickly and get going. And he has something in Frisco that he had at TCU weapons and lots of them 
Yeah, without question. And again, I think when you look at the system that, that the 49ers run, if they select Duggan, that tells me they are absolutely committed to Brock Purdy as their franchise quarterback. I think they've kind of tipped their hand in that regard anyway. I don't think that would be a revelation at this point. I think most people would agree that that's the direction that they're going in. But this kind of puts that steel, that stamp of approval on it. Uh, right. It makes them, uh, it puts it out there. It almost is like, you know, that uh, that indentation in the, uh, in the wax that lets you believe that this is going to be uh, their guy. So, yeah, I'm I'm really really curious to find out what San Francisco does and how they address it, but um, that works when you have a quarterback that is very similar to your starter in terms of skill set. They can come in and they can run a uh, an offense. I saw it here last year in uh, New England when Mac Jones went down. Bailey Zappi came in. You make the argument he may have run the offense better than Mac did at the time that mm-hmm. he was out. So mm-hmm. they have similar, um, you know, similar skill set. And that helps when you talk about adaptability, especially when you're looking at a starting quarterback, a franchise quarterback that now has injury concerns for better or for worse. They're going to be there until he Mm -hmm. proves that they're behind them. Yeah. And I'm suspecting Tommy John surgery also uh, for Brock Purdy. But let's throw Mm -hmm. Brock Purdy some flowers. Everybody wants to uh, throw the doom and gloom. Let's throw Brock Purdy some flowers. Who expected Mr. Irrelevant Brock Purdy to come in and perform the way that he did after You want to talk about it, honestly, barely learning the offense. And I mean, he inject, he interjected himself very quickly, but the game that the game that turned it for me, and I know I'm going to get a little smirk out of you for this. The game that turned it for me was a nationally televised game against Tom Brady and Tampa Bay. You're talking Mm -hmm. about a guy, 22 year veteran in Tom Brady that has seen it all, done it all, been there, done that. And this young gun outdueled him used his weapons not only correctly but freely that's the other thing i love about max duggan but he used his weapons freely you know mm-hmm. how can you say how can you say about a, uh that mr irrelevant who's very relevant now with the with the 49ers and, and brock purdy but you have to remember he played four years at iowa state he was a four-year mm-hmm. starter at iowa state he was ready to go then and now he is really really proven it taking the 49ers to the West Division title, go back to that game in Seattle where they clinched the West. Uh, But he's right. Brock Purdy is their man. And adding someone like a Max Duggan or a national championship quarterback, Stetson Bennett, will Mm -hmm. do nothing but wonders for for either one of those guys, Max Duggan or Stetson Bennett, whose stock has fallen because no one wants to see a three- or a four-year starter as a quarterback, it's all about uh, Bryce uh, Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud, and there's still some development issues there. Taking on taking on a project where these guys are ready, Max Duggan and Stetson Bennett are ready to lead your team. Absolutely, I'm glad you mentioned Stetson Bennett. He's kind of a forgotten man in all this. I mean, that's unusual for a quarterback that's a national champion. 3,700 passing yards, 500 rushing yards, 40 touchdowns. During right. his senior year, he accounted for those. I mean, that's a pretty impressive resume. That's a very impressive stat line, considering a guy joined the team as a walk-on at Georgia. But, you know, look, they, there's another 
uh, you know, a person with scheme tendencies that fit what the 49ers do well, the power gap concepts, the play mm -hmm. action sets. Uh, to tell you the truth, Stetson Bennett is someone that I'm having a serious look at for New England, if they decide right. they want to dip their toe into a quarterback and bring in a young arm in the latter part of these, uh, uh, you know, proceedings this weekend, he may be someone that could come in and be a uh, an option as well. Uh, prior to some of his plummeting in the draft, a lot of people were predicting he would be a starter from day one coming right. out uh, in this league simply because he just has that ability. He's battle tested. Um, I know people are describing him as what's called a safe quarterback. I still don't mm -hmm. understand why that's an insult. <laughs> I mean, if you're getting someone that comes in <laughs> and is ready to run your offense, what could be bad about that? Sometimes safe is pretty good. So um, it, he's another guy that I think uh, uh, San Francisco would love. He's got that Shanahanian type of stamp on him uh, that I know Kyle's going to be watching closely. So you're doing your homework, my friend. I think it's very uh, um, uh, astute of you to be able to pick some of these guys out as potential fits uh, in uh, San Francisco. And it amazes me that the, the fits that you're looking at in San Francisco with Shanahan and John Lynch and that brain trust is similar to what people talk about when they talk about Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots. Yep. I know the Patriots aren't at that level anymore, but you know, anytime you have Bill Belichick, you always have a puncher's chance. Great minds think alike, and the type of player that they scout is the type of player that's always evergreen in the NFL. So I think those two franchises have done pretty well for themselves over the past few decades. Well, Paul Allen has said it best. You know, the, the fabulous play-by-play uh, -play guy for the Minnesota Vikings. Paul Allen said it best. Anytime you pluck somebody from bill belichick's mind you're doing a great thing okay <laughs> the same was true about the late great bill walsh Absolutely. everybody's plucking uh everybody's picking bill belichick's brain who do they pick whose brain did they pick before bill right. walsh exactly. the godfather of the west coast offense yep. and everybody's running a form of the of the west coast offense now but again it goes back to the to the godfather of the west coast offense in uh in bill walsh and when brock purdy showed up and showed out for san francisco man you saw every part of the old school west coast offense with the running game and then you saw a lot of the new school that kyle shanahan installed with the zone with the zone scheme getting your receivers the ball getting your playmakers the ball debo samuel brandon ayuk george kittle mm -hmm. just getting just get Jawan jennings out of tennessee just getting mm. them the football and letting them do their work. You best believe I'm doing my homework when it comes <laughs> to teams and when it comes to my team, which which is the 49ers. But at the same time, I love doing I love doing this kind of homework and I love doing it with you. Mike DeBate joins us this afternoon talking NFL draft. We reviewed the NFC West. Tomorrow, we're going to go to the NFC East and see what needs are there for for those teams. Great to have you as always, my friend. I look forward to having you tomorrow and throughout the week as we break down the 2023 NFL Draft. Thank you, my friend. You're very welcome. My honor, my pleasure. I had such a great time. I can't wait to come back tomorrow. Uh, if any of you are looking for Patriots tidbits, continue to check me out on the Lockdown Patriots podcast. But uh, all kidding aside, uh, thank you. And the Lockdown Patriots podcast, thank you as well uh, for your hospitality uh, all this week, Brian. Always my honor and my pleasure, my friend. Always, my friend. It's uh, it's our seventh season together. I'm looking forward to all of it. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate Thank you. Thank you, buddy. Absolutely. I appreciate you, too. 
Seventh year for Mike DeBay joining us here on Snowman Multimedia Sports as our NFL insider. Boy, we're going to have a lot of fun this week. Get your questions ready for tomorrow when Mike DeBate returns to talk more NFL draft. My time is up. Hope you all enjoyed it as I enjoyed bringing it to you. God bless you, and we'll see you tomorrow at 2 p.m. Eastern for another episode of the Brian Snow Show. God bless you, and so long, everybody. tuning into the brian snow show where sports is the base life and fun are the results